Hello, and welcome to the Right Sweats Podcast, the best writing by bad authors or something like that. Uh, I'm Jesse, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Jennifer. Hey, hi. What's up, Jennifer? Not much. We are so not can... joined by Leah this week. Not joined by Leah today. I think we're officially in. I think we can officially make this announcement. We're in season two of the Right Sweats. Last week was kind of season two, episode zero, and this can be season two, episode one for a uh, a a numbering system we're sure to forget by next week. Um, <laughs> but I think it's safe to say we're we're deep in the the nano plano uh, timetable. You know, we yeah. have a month before nano. Everyone's freaking out. You know, it's um, also known as preptober. Preptober. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I've heard it both ways. Which well, do you mostly prep? Preptober is the most popular um, way of describing it. I think it's just locally in Seattle. We've always called it Nano Plano. That's all. What does the website say? The website doesn't have an official like planning term. Preptober was invented by a specific YouTuber whose name I'm actually forgetting right now. PewDiePie. <laughs> yep. So, anyways, how was your? Firstly, actually, let me bring up something else. I can't add you on the as a friend on the the website. You can't buddy me. At 404 is the moment I search you. Ah, uh, the website that there's a new website for NaNoWriMo and it is, it has um, some growing broken. pains. It's very broken. They're figuring things out. Um, I'll, I'll it, add you as buddy. Does it have, um, does it have your history on it? I saw people complaining about that where they did, they've done nano for 10 years or whatever. And it says this is their first year. <laughs> That's temporary. All your history is still there, but it, is displaying things wrong, but it's, they're fixing that actively, but all, all the data is still there. So it's so ready. weird that they launched it with so many problems. Like I, I personally at work am making a broken website. My website works <laughs> about as well as theirs does. And nobody has seen it because it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it is surprising how, how broken this is, but they really, they have like a full-time developer fixing shit. Well, they don't make any money, right? Exactly. They're a nonprofit and like all of their money is, you know, earned through donations from participants or by selling merch. So if you want to support the website, make it good, donate to NaNoWriMo. <laughs> and uh, the, your nights of writing dangerously, right? Those ticket, that ticket money probably. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That was a fundraising type event. Are you going this year? They actually won't be having it anymore. Last year was the last year. Oh, they spent all the money on the website. <laughs> they did a so special anyway. fundraiser for the website. Actually. That was one one. Uh, they had like a special like bus travel thing that was like fundraising for. Was that the uh, the great t- train robbery? <laughs> no. Did that happen up there? Was that a coastal thing or was that just down here? We we have a great train ride in up here too. Yeah, we go down to Portland from Seattle. Yeah, I but think that, they went up to really went up to L.A. Then went up from L.A. to San Francisco. Maybe I'm not really positive. Um, you think there'd be more overlap between? Pro transit uh, people and nano, but if there is, they don't talk about it for whatever reason. It's the one thing they don't seem to talk about because they never shut the fuck up about anything. Um, so, how's your planning go- been going, Jen? Nano Plano or your your Preptober? Uh, so, my Nano Plano Preptober stuff has been going pretty good, um, mainly because since I'm the ML in this area, along with a bunch of other um, people, we have to host the events for Nano Plano. 
and You're sort of forced to participate even if <laughs> you weren't going to possibly before uh yeah it definitely keeps me accountable and makes me actually do things like uh yesterday i was at a at an outlining workshop we uh-huh. outlined our novels and, and i i honestly don't think i would have ever outlined my novel properly like this if i hadn't gone to that so it was really good have you ever done that before Outlined my novel, sure. I've made sort of weak outlines where I um, I kind of know where I want to go or know something in the middle that's important. And I know that moment. So I'll like map out the order of like maybe the major things I know will happen. Mm-hmm. But there's usually just huge gaps of like how these things end up connected to each other. And so the method that we did yesterday, it actually forced me to fill in all the gaps. So this is the most developed outline I've ever had going into NaNoWriMo. Now, what was that method, if we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves? Uh, It is something called 30 Things by Margaret Stoll. Um, So the um, Preptober workshop host was Christina Horner. She's my co-ML. And she had attended attended a workshop at Geek Girl Con where Margaret Stoll had everyone write down 30 words. And you just write 30 words that sound like your novel. So you can write anything. Um, So like if it were Batman, you might write bats, dark, family, loss, grief, revenge, crime, justice. You know, like words that make you think of it. So it's like a word word mood board? Kind of, yeah. It's just... 30 or even more if you want, just a bunch of words that make you think of your novel. And then the next stage, stage two, you put them in order of uh, how the novel plays out. So it makes you think about when, when does the family die? When does justice get served? When does he deal with his like emotional trauma? All of those things, you're forced to put them in order. Mm -hmm. And they're so high level when you're trying to just use one word or maybe a phrase to describe something huge like a scene it it forces you to think about the tone of your book quite a lot and well, that does it help with anything other than tone because that seems like that would be all it would do it helps with tone and it helps with like major events like uh for me like a, there's a part with like a kingdom so let me know okay i don't want to introduce the kingdom until this point mm-hmm. so kingdom is like you know number five instead of number two oh, whatever thing but then, I mean, that's really high level. And it's, you know, like you said, maybe going to help mostly with tone. And tone's really important to, like, plot, actually. So that it helped me keep that in mind. But the next stage, stage three, is that you take that word and you actually write a full sentence to describe each stage. Describe each stage and what you wanted to do or describe each stage like you are writing the story. Uh, just like a synopsis kind of thing of like what that scene is. So you might say like introduce main character who is very sad yeah. because family died, you know. And she does you know? this for comic books? I don't know if this is her typical method. I didn't attend her workshop, uh, Margaret Stoll's workshop. So I don't know if this is her typical method or if this was just Why didn't uh, you? a style. I didn't attend Geek Girl Con in 2018. But Let's see. She wrote some uh, beautiful creatures novels. Yeah. Cool. Really, this is good. Um, uh, the reason I liked it was that it was 30 things, which 
if you're struggling with NaNoWriMo and like knowing what to write each day, you can take one thing and write it that day, each day of November. And so even if this seems like simplistic or whatever else, it at least gives you something to work with. It's very basic and useful. Yeah. It's certainly somewhere to start. Yeah. If not more than start, it seems like that's a big problem with people just being on sort of nano Facebook page and other, other community things is people seem to start at the, the cover, which I don't, I don't really understand. And I see a lot of discussions about how do you start? What title do you start with? And blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I guess I don't really know why that would ever be a struggle for a person not giving it a title, but just being like, I got to start from the beginning. So that kind of seems like fairly obvious that you don't have to do that. Yeah. I don't know. I think outlining, it, it kind of depends on your style of writing. Some people do a lot of it. Some people do none of it. Yeah. For me, I've, I've succeeded both ways. I don't really know. Yeah. It kind of just depends on the novel for me, less on my personal style. Yeah. And I've never succeeded. So, I mean, I've, I've got no reason to be, uh, sassy about any of it. Cause I've never finished any of these things. Uh, so this year I kind of tried something different too, and, and not the 30 things method, but I did sort of look up story diagrams and kind of see what I might want to explore with those. I'm not even to that point yet though. Um, I sort of, I guess sort of like the 30 word thing. I wrote down a bunch of different ideas that I might go with for nano and none of them are, are the same, but you know, they're sort of vague enough that maybe makes me flesh out something that they all have in common. So it's sort of similar to that 30, 30 thing method. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it goes from tone. It goes from actual plotting. I have things written down that are just fragments of just images mm-hmm. uh, that I might want to deal with. Uh, so, so I guess I could see why, how that could be helpful. Just sort of in a real, a real vague sort of, first first thought way you know yeah just get you started yeah and so so far that's that's kind of where i am um i'm not even really to the plano stage yet but i I don't know if i ever will will be um uh and i that might be something that you know a bit more about but i see more people talking about you know oh my main character is going to do this or do that or that my main character is this or this or this and i'm like you know, I, I think when I get to that point, I'm going to figure out the main character the day before I start, and it's going to be a name, and then I'm going to be, that's it, you know. Um, have you um, have you, you found any tools or anything like that that are helping you? No. Um, I looked up sort of story structures, because I know that there is some sort of diagrams out there, which does help me. Uh, I don't like to look too hard into them, you know, where they're from, who they are, who invented them, what they're used for. I'd rather like to see it go oh i can do this with it and sort of interpret it my own way uh you know so that's that's the let me see right now the one that i'm sort of exploring is the w plot which is a a very simple three-act structure there is an up and down and up and down there's a triggering event a second triggering event and then things are resolved it kind of looks like a w because in between those triggering events are turning points which i don't want to look up what that means i'm just going to sort of interpret it my own way and I, I don't like the way the thing ends. If anyone looks it up, you'll see that the W, all the lines are all equal. They're all in the same. They're all in the same height, which seems mm-hmm. weird to me. Why would the first triggering event, the second triggering event, and then the resolution all be at the same magnitude? 
That's um, a good point because I feel like certain events are certainly more meaningful, especially that that second point, like the first time where you make an attempt to fix the problem and you fail. Yeah. I feel like that is always a little less meaningful than that the actual moment you actually resolve the problem, the final climactic event is always just so much bigger. What, and then also the way that this is, is split up is that in act three, the resolution, which is at, which will be the climax in the other discussion is at the same level as the other three events. So the first triggering event, which essentially is the um, inciting incident. And then the second triggering event, the resolution is the begin is, is the very top there too. And then it's the end of the whole plot. I mean, and the, of the whole diagram. So it's mm. like, yeah, the resolution's fine, but that's not the end of the story. If that's the end of the story, then that's fine, but that's not how I want to write things where it's just, you know, they kill the dragon, the end, you know. Right, like you need that uh, follow-up after the climactic event. Or, or yeah, and, you know, or there's a lot of things that I've been watching recently or, or, or reading recently where the resolution happens, you know, act two, and then the rest of the interesting stuff is what those characters have to do with that resolution, you know, and that's more interesting to me. So, so I'm taking the W I'm adding another leg to it. So it's resolution. Then there's another down slope, you know, I'm re rejiggering the, the triggering events, putting them on different axes and sort of raising them and lowering them. Mm -hmm. So far, that's all I have is truly just not even a plot, an idea or a character, but I'm starting with the diagram and going backwards. So just trying to figure out where I want these plots to look like, where I want them to go. And then kind of filling in those, those scaffolding later is what I've been doing. So I don't even have, all I have is the diagram, which I don't know. It's a weird place to start, but that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I looked it up the W diagram and I think that it is helpful um, for me when I'm trying to think about structure, because structure is my weakest point, 100% in yeah. everything I've ever written because I have so much difficulty filling in everything between the major inciting incidents, inciting events and things, um, or triggering. What are they called? Triggering events. Triggering events. Inciting incidents. I don't know. Yeah. The inciting incident is in the beginning and then the triggering events are afterward. Um, sorry, I was getting those confused, but yeah, I, I mean, you can tell just even from the way I'm talking about it, structure is clearly not my strong area. Um, the only thing that's ever successfully helped me really think about structure is um, Dan Harmon's circle, which yeah. we talked about before one time. The reason I like his circle is because it's a circle, which sounds really cheesy, but literally just because thinking of it in a cyclical nature, thinking of it like your character comes back to something, it helped me realize what the structure of it all needs to be and like how to tie it all together. Like the yeah. visual representation of it made things suddenly click and the way things were divided into order and chaos also helped me just make everything make sense. But, uh, what, what um, step is it to where you sexually harass your assistant? Oh my God. Is that a thing? Oh yeah. He's, he, he, he's got some issues. Oh, I didn't know that he'd been part of that. You, you can't tell from the things he makes? <laughs> well, if you think of it that way. But yeah, I had no idea. I hadn't. I don't keep up on the Dan Harmon rumor. Well, then I think if you look at it sort of more minutely, that that system seems like it works really well in a more episodic 
function, which I think is maybe why he uses it for television, is because you can really assign that circle to a character inside of a larger story. So you can have an overarching thing and then the character slowly changes throughout, you know, right? Is that kind of how it works? Yeah. And because it actually focuses, that's another reason I love it so much. It focuses on what the character is doing. So not so much like the plot of the story and thinking of it as like something outside the character. You're literally only talking about the character and how they're developing in that circle. And this, the story is like, strictly just that character going through these things so it helps you maintain a character driven story if that's what your goal is which is generally speaking sort of like lauded as the best way to write a story is character driven rather than plot driven um is that true i mean that's what the (laughs) internet tells me i i can't promise you that that's actually true but well, plot and character are so close to each other. I mean, they are. For me, they feel so integrated that I honestly don't know how to even not have them be integrated, I guess. Yeah. That's just me. Well, that's like that discussion, you know, when you're thinking about what person to write your story in third or first. Uh, people always say, well, readers like first, but critics like third. So you kind of got to go like, do I want character? Do I want plot? Or do I want? whatever a third thing is feeling i guess a a mood that's interesting i hadn't heard that thing about um readers liking first i hate first i read a lot of uh books that are in first person because i read a lot of ya yeah but i did not know that that was thing i think i only read it if it's like an autobiography i think otherwise i i don't don't know if i do or not it's just distracting for me because i don't like reading it and thinking of myself so reading the word i i i over is very irritating to me but i get used to it when i'm in the middle of a book yeah i'm trying to think i guess the last book i read like that was the bell jar but that has a very all of the all of the drama of the bell jar is all internal so i don't really know how else you would really do that but that's a little bit different you know that's that's one character essentially in the entire story telling the story of the one character so what else are you going to do yeah Mm mm-hmm but also we're not all we're not all Sylvia Plath. I think there's there's something about that where I think the first person is very easy to slip into, very easy to identify with if that's what you're reading for. But if you're good at it, you're not going to notice it. And if you're bad at it, you're going to notice it but not have a problem with it. I don't know. It's just one of those things. And then that yeah. that makes a lot of sense too when I think about community. If you want to talk about Dan Harmon is mm-hmm. the show never really plot wise made any sense i mean it made sense but it didn't have a lot going on there wasn't a lot of overarching plots because they didn't have to be but the characters especially towards the end of the series start doing things that seem out of character but if you kind of look at the character and not the show that kind of makes sense you know uh jeff and allison brie hooking up at the end you know um i don't know britta's stuff <laughs> i don't know Britta's I, stuff <laughs> What was her deal? She hooks up with Childish Gambino, and that's kind of the end of it. I don't know. I um, never finished Community. I've only seen random episodes. But what I can say is that it is solidly funny and has good structure. So I I do think Dan Harmon has structure down. And so I, I kind of trust his input here. But I don't know. Um, it's not for everyone. Like, every different method is like... You yeah, know. I saw some other ones. Let me... Let me pull that out really fast so plot structures because i saw some that i was just like that is those are all terrible 
you know, and I think plot structure, people get real into knowing dramatic structure and go, oh, now I know how stories work. So that way I'm so much better than the story. And if I follow this, I'll do it right. And it's just, it's a good guide. Just look at it, but then just, just move on, you know? I guess for me, because I've done plot workshops where I was um, talking about Dan Harmon Circle, and I've talked about other types of structures as well. And every time I've done a workshop, there's always people who feel, there's some people who feel almost sad to see uh, stories broken down into such a recognizable structure and, and realizing how much it applies to almost everything. Uh-huh. It can be like depressing to think our story is really that simple. Um, so that's something that I've thought about before. I kind of find it comforting that there's this similarity in storytelling that links all stories and links all people. It's like kind of in a cheesy way, very like beautiful and romantic to me that Mm -hmm. things are so alike, but it can be upsetting for others. And I understand that too. Well, it's one of those things. Like if you think of like the hero's journey, just that classic, call to adventure, blah, 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 you know, just the Jesus story. Even things that are not that are then enacting the hero's journey. So acting against it is still acting in that structure. Yeah. So it's, it's built up in such a way where you can't escape it. So you may as well use it to your advantage, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no harm in deliberately trying to make sure your novel fits comfortably within these frameworks. But I mean, if you want to, write something that completely doesn't work with these frameworks. There's, there's gotta be something out there. That's really strong. That's really good. Like that. Like Moby Dick surely does not fit or does it? I don't know. I never read it. Um, <laughs> well then it's, it's also one of those things where I know in my best, and I think people get caught up in the structure where they go, I'm going to plot every part of it. And that's what's going to ultimately make a good story as I go from A to B to C to D to E mm-hmm. end of story, whatever, whatever. And I found with at least me and with things I enjoy, it seems like the best way to go is to plan, 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 and then just kind of trust that you have made those, you've done the correct work to be able to kind of fly on your own and then just use it as a guideline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, I mean, in that case, that's not so stifling because you just use it as a, a guideline. If you go off of it, you go off of it. You know, I think... When I see things that don't work or when I see especially amateurish writing, especially that comes out of nano, the issue with it is, is it's too, it's too formulaic, you know, it's too much them going, this is what I said I was going to write and I wrote it even though it doesn't work. Right. Like beat by beat, nothing, nothing misses a beat. Everything is like almost too perfect. Yeah. And obviously you can, you can not organize enough and then you're just kind of going crazy or you can organize too much. There's a nice middle in there, which I'm hoping to get to this time going a different way with it because i usually don't plot it i usually don't look at story structure so starting with the structure applying an idea on top of the structure and then going from there hopefully gets me some part of the way Mm -hmm. i think it's i think it's fun for me to do my best with like plotting out things or creating like a clear structure and a clear outline but in the end when i'm actually writing it uh things dramatically change as i'm writing it pretty much guaranteed so i think that's where for me i break away from feeling boxed in by my outline it's just that my outline's there so that i don't feel like i have nothing to go off of Mm -hmm. but when i i'm actually writing it i don't 
honestly don't care if what I'm writing aligns with my outline or not. So I, while looking for story structures, I found something very interesting, and that is, I don't know if you've seen it, but character planning and story planning and outlaw plan, outline planning with your tarot card deck. Oh, I've heard of people doing that. That sounds cool. So like character profile card one, it has a, a like a diagram of, you know, where your card placements are and card one's the hero, card two is their dominant outward personality, card three is their dominant inward, card four is their goal, and it goes from there. It's got their motivation, enemies or whatever. Story planning, it does quite kind of the same. Card one's the hero, card two is their fatal flaw, card three is their motivation. We should I really that. like that. That sounds like fun. I just want to do that for fun. I mean... That's really cool. It's a great thing to do too. If you're not sure who your characters are or. Oh, here's a nano one specifically. It's only three. It's just hero, hero's goal and antagonist. There we go. We can keep it simple. That sounds like a lot of fun. I need to get a tarot deck. <laughs> I'm surprised we don't see that more on these sort of uh, nano groups. Cause they're all fairly. Uh, I don't know what the word is. Fairly goofy kind of looking for any, anything to inspire them. Yeah, like it's a, there's a playful nature to NaNoWriMo that I really enjoy. Like people are willing to play games and I guess try quirky things just to get ideas. Yeah. Uh, do you know any other ones that you've used in the past other than the 30 things and the... What's the Harmon one called? Egg, egg Story? <laughs> uh, all I know is that it's uh, Dan Harmon's circle. I don't know if there's a more Dan accurate term. That's probably what he showed to his assistant. Oh my god! Uh, oh god, Jesse. I hope that you're not. I hope that anyway. He he vaguely like came out really fast and sort of apologized for everything, but I I never really cared much of him in the first place. That's too bad to hear. The only oh, thing yeah. that I've seen from him is the the video embryo. where he makes fun of people, uh, makes fun of people's freaking Marty memes, and that was pretty funny. Uh, it's called the embryo. Embryo. It looks like. Oh, it's called the embryo. It's That's not my, Dan Harmon's story circle. It's Dan Harmon's... It looks like either. Embryo. Oh, God. Did you ever watch uh, Difficult People? That was a lot of fun. Uh, what? Did you ever watch Difficult People? The TV show? No, I did not. No. With Why, uh, Julie Klausner. She... There's an episode where she gets on a, a writing... Uh, a writing... She gets in a writing room and she's got a... Like, story structure thing and the the showrunner is kind of like a Dan Harmon sort of stand in. And it's, it's like a 60 point story spiral thing. And they spend weeks diagramming just the spiral or, I don't know. It was pretty funny. If you didn't see it, you didn't see it. So. <laughs> I didn't see it. It's too bad. So, but yeah, other than 30 things, embryo, the W you got anything else you work with? Honestly, no, because I'm pretty, like I said, pretty bad with outlining and structure. I tend to do it very minimally. Um, and I have different degrees of success with novels that I plot um, a lot and don't plot at all. So for yeah. me, I never know. This particular novel I'm writing this year, I'm very eager to plot accurately because I care a lot about the story. So I want to make sure I'm getting all the points done that I want to get done. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I just, I just feel like I, I, if I'm, if I'm more vague about it and try to get more concrete with it as it happens, it's probably a little bit better than going in all 
full steam ahead. But then again, I've never written anything and I've never been successful at Nano. So <laughs> why not? You know? Yeah. I mean, just you might as well try different things. Like I think, um, I think there's just something fun about trying different things too. Interesting. I really... <laughs> I'm, I'm currently actively on Google looking up at different plot diagrams and, it's so interesting to me that really it just comes down to your character has a problem. They try to solve it. They fail the first time they learn something new yeah. and they're able to use that to succeed a second time. Well, and what's that? Stuff, you know, there's only five types of stories, mm-hmm. man versus nature, nature versus man, man versus whatever that, that bullshit, you know, yeah, I've seen that. And I've also seen the argument, God, who said it, that every story can be boiled down to who am I? I don't know about that. It's basically the idea of the hero's journey. The hero's journey is who am I? Good one I heard the other day was every story can be um, defined as a puzzle or a dream. Ooh. No, I liked. That's romantic. I like to think of it that way. I like it. Yeah, because you're either trying to figure something out or you're trying to live through something, I guess. I mean, that's sort of simple, simplifying it. But um, yeah, I guess I got to do more. I, I Yesterday, I went to the park to try to to, to plan out more. And I just kind of drank too much coffee and played Pokemon Go. and But that was fine. I actually do have a pretty difficult time sitting down and making time to outline. But something I learned while outlining was doing that 30 things workshop. I can think of so many more things when I just sit down and actually try to outline, you know, when I'm actually sitting down and writing and panting it and not really plotting anything. I feel like my ideas are almost restricted to each scene as I'm writing it. Yeah. Whereas when I was planning it, there were just so many things that like, I'd never even considered like suddenly I was wondering if my character had a secret sibling or something. And I was like, wow, I'd never even remotely considered that before at this moment. And now suddenly my entire story might be dramatically different because I'm entertaining the idea of a sibling. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I, and I always know too, that when I'm with a group and there's no stakes, I can think up tons of ideas for other people and myself for other things too. So Maybe sort of tricking that out of me with something as as basic as just 30 words is is not a bad idea. Um, Really, the hardest part for me is that no matter what, when I look at story structure, it's hard for me to understand how many words and how much time goes into each section of the novel. Like Dan Harmon's Circle, too, doesn't tell me the answer to that. Neither does the W structure, all of it. None of them tell me, should I have like 80 chapters and like, 40 of them are in the first act. Like, tell me, let me know, because I feel like I'm just like throwing words at nothing. I don't know. I can never figure out pacing. Well, that's, that's an editing issue though. You can't worry about that while you're doing it. Right? You're absolutely, actually, you know what? You're very right. And that's something that I need to remind myself of because I panic about that and I need to worry about that later. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point of editing. You can have somebody else look at it. You could look at it, but you can't do it too caught up. That's a very good point. Because, I mean, when I was teaching writing, and I use that word very lightly, teaching, I'd always tell the kids, you know, more is better than less. You can always cut. You can't really add. So, you know, as long as you're properly exploring something, 
my issue with with this sort of plotting out stuff is I feel like a fucking asshole doing it. You know, it's just so dorky, so to speak. <laughs> Which I know that's stupid to say out loud, but you know, I, I just feel like such a dork. I mean, and that's a lot of that is writing, and that's a lot of why writers for a long time tried to act as cool as they could and say, you know, it's all spontaneous and from the the ether of nature. Because then when you get down to, it, to the keyboard or the typewriter, yeah, because when you get down to it, it's fucking stupid. You know, <laughs> you know, well, my my made up character is doing this made up thing, which the world is not is indifferent to your character. You know, it doesn't matter. That's it. Does feel a little uh, dorky compared to like the romance of just you know, sitting down and writing, like word for word, what's going to happen. But I think there's something to be said about um, working on writing when not actually writing. Yeah, which is to say, like thinking about your idea, developing your character in your head, imagining what could happen, and specifically outlining or. Um, things like that research, all those things are real work toward writing and um, those count. You should count them. Yeah. Well, my attitude has always been for everything like this is so like, I try to read a lot. I try to learn a lot of things and I don't go out saying I'm going to learn and just, I get interested in shit. I explore it. I get interested in a new thing and knowing a lot, a little bit about a lot of things I think helps me more than going, Oh, I need to figure out what my character's going to do. Are they a doctor? What is that history of doctoring? What does my world look like? What's the, you know, I don't give a shit about that. If I know a little bit about a lot of it, then I just can kind of trust myself to go in. Uh, and so I think that's kind of more what I use outlining for is that same idea of just, I know a little bit about where I want to go. I know a little bit about what I'm seeing, what the characters are, what's happening, and then just let it sort of do its thing. That's... I mean, that's perfectly valid. I mean, that's some people, that's all they ever do to outline is just very vague, like simple, like I know this, this, and this. I know a little bit about each part and it'll grow as I write. Yeah. I mean, because that's that's all I can do. I, I, I don't know how everyone else works. It's just. I mean, I've definitely met people who are absolutely intense planners who, I mean, they have their scenes down. Like, their scene, the plot, the planning for their scene is as much writing as the actual scene. Yeah. And I'm like, why didn't you just write it? Oh my God, that's a lot. But hey, I mean, for them it works. Yeah. Well, I've never just, and that's just a, a, a difference of uh, preference too, because I don't like terribly like things that are too plotty, you know, just, just outside of writing and reading and all that. You know, I like things that sort of stew in themselves a little longer. So it's it's kind of, I'm always going to be a little bit more critical of people who are like, here's what happens, A to B, C to D, I figured it out, let me write it. And you read it and it's like, yeah, that's what happens. Cool. You know, I, plot delivery devices have never really interested me all that much. So it's just, it's just a difference of, of preference. Yeah, I I can definitely feel when something is very plotty. And that can be fun at times, but in general, I do like the traditional story structure, but the main thing that draws me in is when there are like very big character emotional moments. And that for me is like the number one draw 100% of the way. So I need that climactic emotional moments. Yeah, I think some people rely, uh, use, use plot as a, 
as a um, substitute for quality. And, and I think when I see, <laughs> that's what I'm sort of critical of. And when I see that on, you know, other people and what they're planning out, I'm like, I can already tell this is not going to be good. Yeah, you have that part down. Just chill. Uh, trust yourself to to figure it out because that stuff's bad. And that stuff is what, that's the first person versus third person thing. You know, I can go see Hobbs and Shaw and know what's going to happen all the way through, but who cares? You know, that's, that's not a, I don't know. It's, it just, it just depends where you come from. You know, a lot of people just want to plot and a lot of people don't. That's true. It really comes down. I guess it's knowing your audience too. Like write what you, write what you want to read and what you want your audience to read. Yeah. Well, that's a different discussion too, that we, we, we should bring up eventually too is, is why are people doing nano? I'm on these, these nano groups that you've recommended or that I've, mm-hmm. I've found. Everyone's talking about it. Like the goal of nano is at the end to be published and to make money. And I go, firstly, that's not how any of this works. Secondly, why do you, why are you doing that then? You know, this is not a quick way to make money. And if that's the point, then go get a second job or, or, you know, go, go do something that makes money then. Cause this is not the way to do it. So then. Right. Books are definitely not a profitable industry. Even published authors who successfully sell books, the vast majority of them. They're going to do other stuff. Just, they, yeah. They don't make enough money to survive. That's the reality of it is people who sell well, sometimes don't even make good enough money to survive. You have to be insane. You have to be Stephen King to be doing good. And let's be real. That's so few of us. We can't use that as our plan. Yeah. So I guess it comes down to that too, is even when you're outlining is who are you writing this for? Cause audience is a good thing to keep in mind, but then what's the point of the audience is the audience a, a, a reader that you can't imagine an imaginary reader. Is it you? Is it somebody you want to sell the book to, which then opens it, up a whole different, a whole mm-hmm. different, you know, realm. Or is it like, I know a lot of people just do fan fiction. Like, is this just for you and your fellow fans of this one TV show? You know? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's always, always myself because if I can like it, then I feel okay about it. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I approach it. I think that's the best way to go. And I might have an issue with that because I've spent so much time with myself. I, I, I can easily entertain myself. That does not mean that it's good. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what makes sense of that, but I'm working on that still. I've um, never even entertained being published before until pretty recently, actually. I was talking with my co-MLs about how they both intend very much to be published. And I guess mm-hmm. I was like, you know, it's not that I'm against it. I guess I just never, I'd always done it just for me, literally just for fun. And now I'm like, hmm, I guess I mean, I could try. Well, and there's so many more avenues, it seems like, to be published if you change what you mean by that. Like if mm-hmm. you, before, I think, where it meant, oh, I was going to get a, a real-life book made or I was going to get in one of the 10 literary journals that deals with this genre or in a university press or something. How many options did you have? You had 100 maybe? And now it's just put on any blog that will take it. No one's going to pay me, but I can. there's a lot of ways to get published now. That's a good point. And I guess... I mean, the thing for me is that I wouldn't want to entertain the idea of publishing. I wouldn't want to entertain that and then have it alter how I write because writing is so enjoyable for me. And I do write stories that I just want to read for me. I literally write because I, it makes me happy and I have fun. Like, so I'm not going to compromise that to try and make money. Like I have a job, so I'm okay. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's a place that's anytime you hear about successful authors 
any time currently or in the past. You know, they did other shit. Mm-hmm. I think when you or they were in the leisure class, which is just a whole different conversation. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't have to work. You know, the <laughs> there is that. I would love to be in the leisure class. Uh, <laughs> anyone wants to like make me their heiress, I'm happy to accept. You just got to get a Patreon, a patron, <laughs> patron. Oh, yeah. I said that wrong. Um, well, that's good then. We're all planned up. What we should do is we should do 30, write down 30 segues so we don't have to worry about this anymore. Sounds perfect. Let's do it now. <laughs> yeah. Do we, who, what do you put more effort into outlining uh, this podcast or your writing? Secondly, if your writing was more collaborative, like this podcast is, do you think you would put less work into it? Probably. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, why not? I mean, everyone kind of carries the load a little bit. Um, so, what else you got? To talk about today. I mean, I feel like we've hit everything that we initially intended to talk about. So, I feel pretty good. Do we need to keep going? Um, what are we on time? What are we on time? That's always a fun thing to advertise on the... We're at 40 minutes or something. Well, um, I figured you would just cut that part because it was awkward. Nope. Staying in... Well, do we want to say what's making us sweat even without Leah here? Oh yeah, let's do that. That sounds great. Um, Should we guess? You know what? Yeah, let's do. Let's guess Leah's. All right, Jesse. So this week, what's making you sweat? Making me or making her? Let's talk about us first, then we'll guess Leah's. Um, truly nothing. Um, I take that back. So I've been a lot of my job is data entry, and so I find a lot of things to listen to and just kind of zone out on it so usually it's podcast but now i've been watching listening to a a long playlist on youtube of old siskel and ebert episodes um from like 79 to whenever ebert died 94 97 i think um and i wouldn't say that that is all that interesting but it is helping me with the idea of writing in a more personal way the way that they did uh Movie reviews was so, because they were just in regular newspapers, it was so out there in front of people. It doesn't have to be academic. It shouldn't be academic. You can talk about just how the movie makes you feel, and that's just fine because dum-dums are reading it anyways. So you don't really need to get into the mise-en-scene of anything. You can just go, you know, I liked it, didn't like it, here's why. Um, And so, so that's kind of been helpful, just sort of seeing again how being re-reminded about how personal something can be and not have that mean it has to be uh, didactic or like it's a diary or to teach anybody anything. It's just, I mean, here, here's what I did and, and this is what I, and that's fine. Yeah. So that's where I've been this week. That's pretty good. Um, mine is less exciting. I'm trying to find the name of this composer. I found a composer. Oh, there it is. Peter Gundry. Peter Gundry is a composer who posts his music on YouTube and it's all kind of like cinematic sort of moody music that sets the tone really well. And I, it's really good for writing because I can't uh, listen to music that has words in it. Yeah. All of his does not. So it's perfect. He has really, I can't either. Uh, He's on YouTube. Is it PewDiePie? (laughs) PewDiePie, the composer. Yes. No, Peter Gundry. Uh, PewDiePie's is all just like beats put together, like <laughs> uh, like um with like the N word. He like sings like he's Reggie Watts and just. I feel like right now his whole thing is Minecraft, so it would be Minecraft music. Just that would be what PewDiePie was doing. People are still into Minecraft. Is PewDiePie into Minecraft because the founder of Minecraft is an all right guy? 
Is he? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's been like he a long time ago he was like kicked out of the whole thing. He's not a part of it, but they just celebrated the tenth year of Minecraft and they kinda like reluctantly invited him because he created it, but he's like a real outspoken piece of shit alt right oh, guy. That he's like sucks. an now or something. God, I'm glad he's pushed out then. Yikes. Yeah, for that that rich cultural vein of Minecraft. Well, I mean, it it is like marketed to children, so I I wouldn't want some weird, creepy alt right dude making a bunch of money off of kids. It'd be gross. Is it that? Is it as bad that he's just like an alt right guy, or that they're like teaching kids to be engineers? The most boring, worthless part of society. <laughs> engineers make such good money. I can't even talk shit about engineers, dude. Feel free to. <laughs> Money's important. I love money. <laughs> I know, but like those business guys, there's, I don't know. I, I, I have a whole thing. Um, I don't know what's making Leah sweat. Let's assume it's the Birds of Prey trailer. I don't think she's watched it and she probably wouldn't like it if she did, but let's just say it's Oh that. my God. Yeah, she is dying over that trailer. I heard all about it. Yeah, she's into it. Have you yeah. watched it? Yes, God, unfortunately. Um, it looks fine. Say, fortunately, I, I don't know. I mean, I love so I want to be on board, but I'm just not. So I liked Suicide Squad. I continue to defend it. <laughs> um, superhero movies are bad across the board. So saying one's worse than the other is the moot point. Um, I think it's fine. What I'm afraid of is it looks a little too much like Margot Robbie or uh, Harley Quinn is Deadpool, which that could go either way. That could be interesting. That could not be interesting. I think Deadpool, uh, at least in the film and uh, stuff, is totally uninteresting and just worthless. So, but I like Margot Robbie. It looks a lot like it's like suicide squad one and a half. Like it's, you know, Lion King one and a half. I don't know. I mean, I think it could be just a lot of fun. Um, just cause it's a bunch of like superhero girls doing or villains, I guess doing a bunch of wacky shit and that, that could be just fun. Yeah. And Margot Robbie was in I, Tanya, the best movie of 2017. Yeah. Jennifer, have you seen Itania yet? I've not seen it. I just know that you were a big, big fan. Interesting. Interesting. We'll have to do that episode soon. <laughs> or I have to watch it. I mean, it looked good. Yeah, it is good. The end. <laughs> the end. Thanks for listening. We'll be have back next time. week when we talk about something, probably character. I think um, character is a good thing. I'd love Leah to be on the episode as well for a character if we can get her. And that character is going to be Richard T. Joker himself, the Joker. Mm, oh, I would love to talk about the Joker next time. You just got to get out there to the theaters and see it, Jesse. Just be I'm careful. Afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to see it. <laughs> there were police at my theater when I went to see it. See, the thing is, that would irritate me more than the fear of death. Like, <laughs> like sit down, guys. You know, like, I, I, I like cops less than I like the idea of being murdered. <laughs> oh, my God. They, they weren't in the theater. They were actually on the floor, like, just chilling because they were bored out of their mind. Because they they popcorn? Yeah, nothing was happening at our theater that day. I don't think anything I, happened. I know. No, like, hopefully the police presence prevented anything that might have happened if anything was going to happen. As we know, the police always make a situation better. Well, at the very least, they scared away anyone's dangerous. This is going to shift into an anti-cop podcast one of these days. We're going to rename ourselves ACAP Sweats. That would be fun. I that. <laughs> we talk more about public transportation and stuff. <laughs> All right. I guess that's it. Bye. All right.
Thanks for listening. Uh, find us on all of your ding sites. On your social medias. <laughs> Bye. Bye.